Welcome to the Preserving Family Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to equip you to gain insight, information, and inspiration to help you protect, teach, and guide your family during these turbulent times. Our goal is to provide tools and resources to help you strengthen and preserve your own marriages and families. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Mark and Janie Ogletree. Okay, everyone. Uh, thank you for so much for listening today. Uh, this is the Preserving Families podcast. We are here to help strengthen families. And today we're going to really focus on how to uh, help strengthen and prepare young people to serve in the mission field. We're going to talk to uh, mission leaders here in just a minute, uh, and we'll tell you more about them. But they served during the COVID-19 pandemic, and we're, we're really interested to, le- to learn how they navigated that how they dealt with some anxiety and depression among their missionaries, uh, how a work ethic uh, can impact a missionary's success, and and how parents teach that work ethic, how missionaries deal with technology on their missions and other uh, sundry issues. And so I'm really excited today to be with two of my very best friends, Jeff and Christy Chapman. Jeff and Christy, how are you today? We're doing great. We're doing wonderful. We're so excited to be with you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. I'm so glad you took the time. I want you to know that I drove through Rexburg about a week ago. We went to Island Park for Thanksgiving. And we're a brave soul. <laughs> oh, that was that was uh, that was pretty crazy in terms of how much snow was there. But I it was such a contrast from Rexburg to Provo, you know, in terms of how much snow you guys had compared to us. And I we spotlighted a student in my class today from Rexburg. And I asked him uh, what the coldest temperature he can remember. And he said negative 25. Yeah. <laughs> That's a little different than uh, San Antonio, isn't it? Hey, just over the weekend, I, I did some hot tubbing. We had some friends come by. It was minus nine wind chill. And oh, man. the little bit of hair I had was freezing and growing stuff. Bicycles <laughs> on the side. It's incredible. Awesome. You can't do that everywhere. So that's really cool. Well, let me introduce let me introduce these guys. Um, Christy, I think you're from the Salt Lake area, if I remember right. Isn't that where you right. grew up? Avenues, avenues in Salt Lake, and then when I was twelve, we moved to South Jordan. So yes, I went to okay, Bingham. Bingham High School, and then Jeff uh, grew up in Mesa, Arizona. They both of you served oh, in yeah. Charleston, West Virginia, at the same time, right? <laughs> and as George Durant would say, Jeff. Uh, you didn't have really much contact as missionaries, but you did have an electrifying handshake, right? Electrifying handshake. I was a good zone leader. <laughs> awesome. Would, you were ministering and tending your flock, right? And so that's right. Um, Jeff is currently a professor in the religion department at BYU-Idaho, uh, a, a bachelor's degree from BYU, a master's degree from Utah State University, and then a, do- a, a, a doctoral degree for, in family and human development from Utah State University. We'll talk more about that in just a second. Uh, so Jeff and Christy have just returned as mission leaders from the Texas Fort Worth mission. Five children, three grandchildren, and uh, they've both in the church. Jeff and Christy have done about everything there is to do, and we're just so grateful that uh, that you're here today. So, in the uh, as we just. Uh, the very first thing I want to ask you, because I think so many of us are would love to know how this works, but you all received some kind of phone call at some point in your life inviting you to come to Salt Lake for an interview. So tell us what it's like to be called to be a mission president, mission president, mission leaders. Yeah, it's unforgettable. You don't ever <laughs> I'm forget. I'm sure. 
So I had just started the first day of fall semester in uh, fall of 2018 in September and came back after teaching my very first two classes and had a phone call show up on my cell phone. And the the cell number was area code. No, it was uh, 801-240. Yeah. Which, you know, church office building locations, anything with 240 is from the church. And and I'd had people tell me, avoid those calls, run, do not answer. <laughs> um, but I picked it up and it this wonderful woman identified herself, said, I'm Elder Holland's secretary, and he would like to visit with you and your wife. And and said, uh, are you going to be in the Salt Lake area soon? And that so we ended up working out a time to go down and have a person-to-person interview with Elder Holland. And and they, of course, that's in the church administration building. And so you you park downstairs and you you we met another couple who clearly they were getting called in by somebody. And you could tell by the shaky knees and the wobbly wobbliness, right? We're all just kind of sitting there. And uh and then we go upstairs, and Elder Holland is everything you think Elder Holland to be. He just greeted us so warmly, he gave us both hugs, he drew us in. He, what did he say? He said, how are you feeling? You're... He said, are you okay? Can you even breathe? <laughs> it was like an 11 day wait. It was way too long. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. But the I plan... imagine you breathe in through a paper bag as he's talking to exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he was just, he was great. But, of course, the, of course. but their yes. plan is to have a member of the 12 visit with you in what's called an exploratory visit. They don't even want to call it an interview. Right. And but that's not quite Elder Holland's way. So Elder Holland, <laughs> Elder Holland says, okay, you're the ones you're, this is what's going to happen. And he says, but if anybody asks you, if I said the word mission, don't ever say the word mission, but, <laughs> but he basically started to lay out, here's what's going to take place. Um, and this is a call that's going to come. And, and we just feel like you're going to be ready for it and you can do it. And, and he said, but the call does come from the first presidency. So you have to, so there's this initial visit. And then he asked us about our children, about our parents, about, and he just had all kinds of things that he was. Yeah. They just want to make sure that nobody's going to, you know, be in trouble if you leave. Right. So we go through each child, parents, any other circumstances, just wanting to know if you're able to leave your yeah. work. We work for the church. And so they had already kind of worked through all that. So. We found out all the people that they had talked to that we had no idea. Oh wow! <laughs> so talk to yeah. your big president. They talk to your bishop. They and they're doing all this background checking that they do. And then he said, "So get ready for a phone call in October. Get ready for a." This was the weekend before conference, so we yeah. actually went in there having no idea what this was about, and we thought, "Oh, they're too bit way too busy getting ready for conference to talk about missions." But in the fall, they're getting ready. They're okay. they're calling mission in the fall. Wow. Yeah. And then after conference was over, we got a call from the first presidency secretary who said, President Iring would like to visit with you. And so then we went back down for that experience and had the sweetest, it was 45 minutes of him just sharing with us and us sharing with him. And and then he, they're very specific about the way they give the call and they talk very openly to both the wife and the husband. Sure. And then, and then he gave some more detail about how involved the first presidency, presidency in the 12 are in reviewing all the names 
And then they sustain you before they give you the call. They that united body sustains you in your wow. call. And How then cool is that? And they it's deliver really the call. Very humbling. You have and no idea that this is even been happening. Right. Yeah. And the whole time you're thinking, okay, how do they even find me, right? How do they know exactly. me? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. But they and know. Part, part of the wording of the calling um, says to wherever you are called, which means they don't know where you're going to be going. So, so you can't rest real peacefully, right? Until you get the next. Exactly. And that, that was happens in December. Yeah. So by, by about the end of December is when they know where everybody's going to go. Wow. And, that, and then you get a. You get a call letter. So the new mission leaders letter. for this coming year are about to find out where they will be going. Where they're going, just around Christmas time. Yeah. Wow. Right before Christmas. So it's a gift. It's a great oh. gift. <laughs> well, with, with those who uh, who are listening don't know is that Jeff and Christy spent about five or six years of their life in San Antonio, Texas, running the Seminary and Institute program there. And so I'm sure when you saw Fort Worth, Texas, you were jumping for joy. We were so excited. We were like, of course, we're going back to Texas because we've never lived in Texas. You know, Texans wonder why you'd ever leave. And so right. <laughs> it just completely made sense that we were going back. <laughs> oh, yeah. You were, you were back. That's, that is so cool. Thank you for, for sharing that. Well, Jeff and Christy, you guys were mission leaders during the COVID experience. In fact, give us that timeline. I'm going to guess you started in July and by March we're into, we're into COVID. And so just tell us a little bit about what that was like and how that affected you all and how that affected your missionaries. And I know that you became very creative during that time. So one of the wrinkles that happened too, we had found out about six months in that we were going to have to, they were going to create some new missions in Texas and they hadn't created new missions in the U S for years. And wow. they were going to create two new missions because of so much growth and and influx of population in those areas. And the first presidency had made that decision. And so they said, so you're get prepared. You're, and you'll get more detail about how to give up some of your missionaries and the numbers and the, and, and we'll give you detail to help you to know how many Spanish, how many English. And so we, we were kind of dealing with the shockwaves of that. And then it wasn't uh, a couple of months later than COVID hit. And, and everything changed. Everything changed in the way we did so much. Um, we started to have to send missionaries home. Some of the hardest phone calls ever had to make were to call missionaries who had had a hist just a small history of some physical ailment. And at the time, we just didn't know enough about COVID. They right. were just trying to protect them. Those missionaries had to go home. They just had to go home. And they were our best and brightest and and eager to stay and it was hard it was hard to tell him for now your mission's on hold but there's going to be some information that'll come to you to help let you know a way back and we thought oh it'll be a few months and they'll come back and then we'll get you know we'll nobody knew what was going to happen and so there was no kind of closure there was no like departing interviews none of that it was just sending them home in these waves. And it was very difficult. <laughs> so sudden. Yeah. Well, initially that loss and then another still anticipated loss in July of another uh, 60, 60 to 80 altogether. Yeah, about what? 80. We were looking about 80 missionaries that we were going to send to two new missions. Okay. So, so by then, because of COVID, 
the people in the, the missionary department is so awesome. But we oh, and all of our couples, we had to send all. Oh, of our we couples had to send all our couples. Every couple. Wow. And so now we had elders running the mission <laughs> office, which they used to do back in the day, right? When we were missionaries. When we were missionaries, yeah. Yeah. And so we knew <laughs> they could do it. We knew they could step up and they were fantastic. They were fantastic. But it was kind of a funny feeling to be out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Couples. Uh, but we did have local help. And of course, his counselors and their wives were all incredible. So, so your mission was reduced from what to what during that time well, frame? We had gotten to about 180 and we dropped down to about 160 when we had to send so many missionaries home, maybe 155. Yeah. And, and then Salt Lake, of course, was bringing home all the international missionaries and then sending them back out. And so, okay. so all of a sudden our numbers started to rise again in April, May. Oh, boy. We started and, and yeah. they were still trying to pump us with extra missionaries because so that we had to give away and they away. said, don't get more apartments, get hotels and rental cars. And so we are just <laughs> stuffing missionaries wherever we can fit them and having to have quads, you know, to compare, which is always kind of a makes, struggle, makes right? When they have little parties oh, yeah. and groups in there. And so it was really interesting, but we got up to about 240. Um, I think that was probably about our, that high. was about yeah. our high. That is incredible. Then, I can't imagine logistically how you guys would have even done that. Wow. And that that was just a roller coaster. That was in and out. So they were building us up to split. Then COVID hit. We lost a whole bunch of missionaries. Then they started to flood us with more for the split. We lost 80 overnight with the split, but then they flooded us with more. And we'd have like 30 arrive in one day. And so instead of transfers every six weeks, we had transfers every week yeah. where we had just a whole bunch of missionaries just flooding in to the mission. For about a month and a half or so. Yeah. So did you guys and ever sleep? We have 10 minutes from the airport, the DFW airport. And so we would try to be there for every departure and every welcome. Oh, wow. And so we, there were a lot of early mornings and late nights as we got that all and figured out. And we would yeah. have to tell our APs to take a nap because they did all the work behind the scenes to figure out all the logistics of everything. And right. then they were at the with us so yeah it it was crazy and that's where you know you know the lord this is the lord's work and that he's taking care of everything and you you know that already but then when you see all these impossible things happen you you just think there's no how is this ever going to happen and it just flows it just it all works out it just works we got missionaries that got stranded at dfw because it's a hub they were on their way somewhere else their covid test got rejected and we would pick up these other missionaries too. Yeah, would become so they were flying in from somewhere else yeah. at a layover in Dallas. And then you end up bringing them and to then, your mission. Yeah. And so we just would integrate them in till yeah. we could figure out how to get their test and get them back over there. <laughs> and they just, but the parents who are listening, the missionary, they are epic. They're they are, incredible. they are phenomenal. And they would roll with the flow of all these changes that we were throwing at them things that we were trying. One of the one of the things that had happened to us before we started was we'd felt a draw and a pull to start doing more with social media and to get some of our missionaries trained about how to use their devices, how to use postings on Facebook, um, how do we sh- spread more of the word and build relationships and get to know people. And, and so just at the time COVID hit, we had just started to organize structurally in every zone, there were social media missionaries. 
who would help develop messaging and content that would reach out to other people. And that wow. turned into a great blessing we for really, us. We've been training them really to try to focus on ministering to people on Facebook, not trying sure. to get a lot of likes and clicks, but to find that person who, you know, loved their post or might've commented and to reach back out to them or somebody who was struggling that might have, you know, made a comment that they could reach back out to. And so we really were working on having them have that mindset of Facebook being an opportunity to minister and a door to knock on a virtual door because people don't want yeah. you knocking on their doors anymore. Right. And so did you have, did you feel like the, the, that was uh, that campaign, so to speak, was successful, meaning that there were people that learned a lot more about the church. Some even became baptized members of the church. Did we it work out that way? Yeah. Th those are some of the things that exactly started yeah. to work out. And there of course were people that they were teaching all over the world. So yeah. some of our missionaries, were engaged with people over in the Middle East, over in Europe, over in South in South America. And that was happening in missions all across uh, uh, the church. You were just trying to contact anybody you could contact. But we had missionaries who would teach, who would find, teach, and then set a baptismal date and meet the person they were going to baptize for the first time at the baptismal font <laughs> with only one other member from the ward two other members from the ward to be witnesses. And that was just a tiny little baptism. It was just the core fundamentals of the church and the bishop or and the bishop. Yeah. And then, and, and then that's how you got someone started off in the church. And so there were great ways in which the work still rolled forward. It, it, there's no question. It was so hard. There were long days for our missionaries in their apartments. We, we were always trying to encourage them, even though, even though you can't go door to door, you can still get out of your apartment and go find people and go talk to people and go go to parks, but you still have you have to be distanced, right? And so we're trying to teach them all these ways that they can still engage and be out a bit. But but we did make use of a lot of social media work that really became a real blessing. We had two Spanish elders who had started to teach an English class. They advertised just all over the place with tear strips, but they started this Facebook advertising on Marketplace. And they had about 52 people show up for this English class in person, which was unheard of. Usually you'd have a few, right? Wow. A handful show up. And so then COVID hit. So then they had to experiment with how do we keep this class going? And so they try to keep it as a group class and they realized we really have to do this one-on-one. -on -one. And so they missionary, they assigned missionaries to help teach these people. And then they had 800 leads all around the world because of their Facebook advertisement. Because of the advertisement. Yeah. So they had to take that advertisement down because <laughs> now we had 800 people we had to try to reach out to. And we did have, um, we were invited by one of our companionships to teach a man who was in South America. I can't remember which country, but it was a, a Spanish and English lesson. So they were teaching him English, but then following that was a gospel lesson. Um, he was really interested in the church and he did eventually become baptized. So they had to hook him up with the missionaries in his area locally. So that he oh, wow. be baptized. And that's so cool. one of many, many. So many things. miracles, right? Just so many miracles. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Well, let me share this. Um, we know that just from research that there was quite an uptick in anxiety and even depression before and after COVID. In other words, COVID was quite a catalyst for anxiety and depression. What did you see at your mission field in the mission field with that, uh, with that phenomenon? So 
we experienced that as well. Yeah. But, yeah. And and I I think it would be helpful for everyone to know how the brethren view the efforts of the young people who want to serve. And if they're being open and upfront about some of their struggles, that doesn't mean they're not going to serve a proselyting mission. Very often uh, they're still sent. Uh, again, if, if there's lots of good support and understanding of what the challenge is, the brethren believe that many of them can work with it and work through it. Right. And, and out in the mission field, there is so much support uh, for making sure that there's a mental health counselor from family services, that there's, we, the mission nurse, we had so many amazing mission nurses and some right. of them were just especially good with helping with mental health. And, yeah. And so right. we would meet in a mission health council. We would discuss and go through names and be aware of the needs of every end of every individual missionary. And, and there were some that clearly we couldn't, help enough we couldn't get all the questions answered in a way that would permit them to stay and so then to be able to start to help prepare them to go home and to and to know that there were now some things that were happening at home with service missions which would be a great help but what i would say we saw at different times equal amounts of missionaries who could work through it and get the help they needed with anxiety and depression and, and if that meant some medication to some of them were for, for the first time ever getting diagnosed because COVID particularly seemed to bring out some of these. And a mission in general will bring things out. If they have struggled with something before and have it under control, it's best if they keep taking their medication and doing what they can that's similar because when they get to the mission, it usually always comes back up. Yeah. Um, so, so it really is a blessing if if you have a hunch that your child or that you have some um, issues that it would be good to deal with it before the mission, that would be a huge blessing because when, when you wait for that and feel like, Oh, if we just get them out there, then they'll be okay. Then what happens is that their companion is the one who's with them while they kind of take this dive into, you know, this deep struggle. And sometimes it's really intense. And so, you know, one of the most important things is that a missionary can keep their companion safe. And right. if they are mental illness and having some extreme issues, then it is really traumatizing for a companion who loves them and wants to protect them and help them. Right. And so, yeah, so, so we, we saw, you know, there were quite a few situations where missionaries had never been diagnosed. All these things were coming up and we do have the resources to deal with some of that. We just don't have a lot of time. And right. so if we can't get things figured out pretty quick, then we need to get them home to get the help. And that stops the clock on their mission so that they can get feeling better and get that help and then come back out to us. And then come back. And have that time extended onto the other. So we had some really positive experiences with people returning and and then continuing a mission and having a successful experience. We, we saw an equal number, I think we would say, of those who went home and became service missionaries and continued their missions at home. And they've had yeah. miracles at home. And they called, oh, it's just incredible. <laughs> They'd want to call on a video call and report their the service part of their mission. <laughs> so awesome. It. We've had we've had some, we have one getting married at the end of the month. She met, she was so resistant to do a service mission. 
but it was amazing. It was incredible. And she met her <laughs> now. <laughs> and now she's like, you know, thanking us for <laughs> yeah. encouraging her. To oh, I'm sure. Oh, how, how awesome that is. So rough estimate, rough estimate, but what percentage of missionaries would you say struggle with, with some anxiety and depression in your mission? Boy, I, it varied a little bit at times, but I'd say 15 to 20%. I would say 15 to 20, and even a little bit above that, that were really okay, right? Right. That had fighting depression, that but, but were able had to. learned how, and with a little bit of counseling support, were being reminded of things yeah. they could do. Sometimes and, they would just need to reach out and say, hey, I think I need to have a little bit of counseling. And, and they wouldn't need very much, but they would just, there's so much comparison now missionaries just compare themselves so much to other people and feel right. like they have to be perfect. There's no perfect missionary. And, and we'd always tell them we're not perfect. There's, there's no perfect missionary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes they would need a little bit of help, but, but we always did have, I would say 10 to 15% always that were in a real battle. Yes. Oh, so good to know. So good to know. And I'm so glad that there's help out there. It sounds like there was a wealth of resources out with there. And and service missionary service missions now are so well organized. The people who help as service mission leaders are former mission presidents, uh, emeritus seventies, and their wives. They're they're the ones helping to run, and and they treat those missionaries with such great respect and support and strength, and it has been just such a genuine positive. You know the the. The word that we would hear from the brethren is, if you have desires, DNC four, the Lord said it. If you have desires to serve God, you are called to the work. And so when they transfer to a service mission, and we call it a transfer, yeah, a member of the 12 receives a report about what they'll do as part of their service mission and approves it and then calls them into that specific service mission. So oh. it's all done under the guidance and direction of the 12 as well. Oh, it's that's... a it's become a really powerful experience. And we've just got to lose the stigma about, well, it's not a real mission if it's, we no, it's, a, it's, all, yeah. it's all the work of the Lord. It's not even necessarily going home. It's a transfer. It's a transfer. So you live at home, but you're going to still be doing a lot of important work. Yeah. That's There's no more important than the other. They're both full-time missionaries and it's awesome. Serving the, it's serving awesome. the Lord and doing his work and blessing his children. So, yeah. Well, I, how about the, one other oh, thing. Christy. Sorry, just one other yeah. thing. I think it's important for listeners to understand how that decision is made that a missionary, maybe now they do need to go home. Because sometimes by the time the parents hear about it, they they haven't been part of the process. And so it's right. very difficult for them that they don't have anything to say about it. And so we just want to let parents know that that it's really important that they trust the president and that this is not a decision that he makes by himself or the mission leaders, because we do work on almost everything together. Um, so always in making these decisions, there's the mission nurse that's involved. There's an area medical advisor who's involved, who always has to do his part of the report. Um, then there's the family counselor, family, the church service family counselor. Um, there's, there's mental and medical people at church headquarters working with the missionary department and, who also review and offer input and suggestions and guidance. So there is a lot that goes into this. And then the stake president is in the loop. So he's contacted 
Um, usually it is all through the stake president. When the missionary goes home, the stake president basically becomes their mission president while they're home. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, as, as I serve in my calling in that area now, I, I, I get to be part of that process too. And, uh, I've always appreciated these mission presidents who allow me. And in fact, I often invite the bishop uh, president. Can we yeah. talk, can we visit with the missionary? And uh, they're, they're always so helpful and accommodating. And it's just a great sense of teamwork, you know, to help yeah. whatever's best. Yeah. So, and that's right. exactly what we do. You have a team behind you. Yes. Oh. A whole team. That's exactly right. Well, Jeff and Christy, once again, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and ideas with us, for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. So we'll call this part one, and then part two will come next week. So everyone stay tuned for, for part two as we talk more about what parents can do to prepare their children to be outstanding, wonderful missionaries. Until then, we'll see you next time.